So, I am ready whenever you are. All right. I guess that was our intro, because once again, we still don't have one. We'll get there. We'll get there. Season two. We'll Mm -hmm. get there. So, out of context summary for episode three, A Crooked Mile. In this episode, Buffkin recovers from a hangover. We learn a little bit too much about the woodsman's cheeks. And we see Bigby's magic pants in action. Are you ready for the opening scene summary? I am. We pick up right where we left off with Bigby reacting to the disturbing image of Crane. Desperate, he tries to call Snow to warn her, but when he realizes the line is cut, he heads to find her at Lily's funeral. Alright, so my first note is that Bigby is just freaking out. Like, he just seems frazzled. He doesn't know what to do, but he knows he needs to get to snow. And that just made me think of the line, I think, from the last episode when he says, I almost lost you once. I think right now he's feeling like he's going to lose her again, if he hasn't already, if Crane hasn't already gotten to her. It makes me think about what happened before they moved to this area, if something has happened to him. Because... As a sheriff, you would think that he's encountered many instances where someone's missing. It doesn't seem like it's the first time that happened, but it's because she means something to him and maybe something's happened before they moved to this area, which might prompt him being kind of frantic. And then Beauty warns him to be delicate when telling Snow about Crane, and she says, Snow's been through a lot. There are things she doesn't talk about. So there's definitely more to Snow's past. If you remember earlier, she mentions having to take care of herself. But this feels like it's kind of taking that up a notch. Any epiphanies from opening scene or should I move on? Uh, so far, no. <laughs> not when I watched it and not right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scene one summary. Bigby arrives at Lily's funeral where Holly is not too happy to see him. He tells Snow about Crane's obsession with her. And the Tweedles surprise Bigby before emotions at the funeral reach a boiling point. Okay, so my first note is about Lawrence, and he says, It wasn't my fault, but I didn't stop it. Earlier, he mentioned, like, I don't remember his exact quote, but, like, that he... What is the quote? Now I need to look. Sometimes I don't give my notes enough notes. No, that's, like, me too, because if I'm watching it, I'm, like, too much in a hurry to write more details. Good news is I can just pull it up and look what the quote was. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, earlier in episode one, he says, I made a decision for us. It felt like the only way out. And our question with that was out of what? And so now we have another question, which is, what was his fault and what did he not stop? Because they're sort of talking about Lily's death. And so that makes me think that he knew it would happen or something that he let happen led to her death. I I think it's, first of all, they have no trust in the sheriff. Their line of thought is that if the sheriff did his job in the first place, this would have never happened. Because he didn't do his job, therefore, this happened. What's the point of me telling you if you're not going to help anyways? And so that's why they don't have a trust in the sheriff. But I also do think that it's like a bystander effect that he must have thought someone was going to do something and that didn't happen. Although we don't know what it is that did or didn't happen. Mm-hmm. He, he seems to have regret about something. I feel like everyone has regret. Yeah. But it seems like he knows something. It seems like he almost was 
not necessarily the cause of it, but maybe. I mean, he says, I thought it was the only way out for us. So what like, What did he do <laughs> that has led to this? And I'm confused as to why Bigby doesn't question him more. I don't know. I think that he saw something, not exactly the actual murder or anything. I think he saw something indirectly, like he saw someone cut a piece of snow hairs. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like something mm-hmm. that happened as like the setup to the murder. Or maybe he saw an exchange of, of, of like getting stuff they need to make the glamour. Yeah, I mean, because it appears like he tried to kill himself. So he definitely has a lot of guilt, I would assume. I, I think I agree with you where he didn't plan for these people to die. But in some way, I think a decision he made might have led to it. Otherwise, why is he, you know, why is he saying all of this? Are we ready to go to my next note? Yes. <laughs> Holly notices Bigby's there. And she's pretty mad because she thinks that Bigby threw Lily's body down the witching well after he promised she could have it for the funeral. But then Snow says that that was all Crane. Why did he throw her body down the witching well? Is he still ashamed of like what he did with her? Is it evidence? Like- it's evidence. I think it's evidence. So do we think he threw it on his own volition or did someone tell him to? I think he's doing it on his own. I think it's because, honestly, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I think. I'm thinking on one hand, it might be him just like acting out of emotions and just panicking Mm -hmm. and not realizing what he's done. But at the same time, I'm thinking it might be him just trying to get rid of evidence to stop. Wait, that wouldn't make sense. If he wants to prove his innocence then he needs to keep the body i think he knows that there might be someone else who might take the body and then manipulate another situation that's gonna frame Mm -hmm. him turning everyone against crane yeah i think he's definitely scared and i'm also wondering if he's still just embarrassed that (laughs) he was doing it with a troll and he had to get rid of (laughs) rid of the, the evidence for his own sake but either way, it was wrong. Yeah. It was a super messed up thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bigby's finally able to pull Snow aside and he tells her about Crane's obsession with her. And she's freaked out, rightfully so, and says that she's trying everything she can to not picture it. And it's a good thing that I didn't choose to show her the picture. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly she did not want to see it. It's creepy. It is so... It's gross and it's creepy. It's... Ugh. But yeah, we'll talk about this later. I feel like she gets just, like, super angry in this episode. And I'm wondering how much worse it would have been if I had showed her that picture. Now I want to know. I know. The Tweedles show up behind Bigby and try to make a deal with him. They're basically telling him to not go after Crane. They said, a little bird told us that you're fitting to go after Crane. We have an interest in that particular boy. So this gives us some information. It doesn't sound like Crane is their boss, so we still don't know who the Tweedle's boss is. And then also, who is the little bird that would have told them? My first thought is it's Beauty. Number one, because of what Dee said when they were interrogating him, that they're real close. And then also because she was there when Bigby discovered the picture of Crane. I'm thinking it's a character that we haven't met yet. When I heard that, I... Everyone in the game, yes, they could potentially be telling 
Tweedledee and Tweedledum. But I do think it's a it's a way to to lay the foundations for a new character we haven't met yet. Scene two. Mm-hmm. All right. Dr. Swinehart mends Bigby's wounds as Buffkin works on repairing the magic mirror so they can use it to track down Crane. With a piece of the mirror missing, Snow and Bigby have to decide how to start tracking down Crane. An intense bluebeard enters the business office and tries to insert himself into the search. Buffkin reveals that he heard Crane make an appointment with a witch at 2 a.m. I was just a general question, but for Bluebeard, um, what is his role in the town? I don't know. I don't think he's in the comics. Or maybe he is. It's been a long time <laughs> since I've read any of them. So I don't, I don't know what his role is, but he is weirding me out. He's really weird and really intense and really wants to be involved that's one of my notes is like, why is he so intense about being involved? And then why does he want to go to Crane's apartment so bad? It's weird. He's clearly up to something. Even Snow says he's mm-hmm. up to something. And then he says, excuse me for having the Commonwealth in mind. So do you think he's maybe associated with that group of people like Georgie and them who say that they have to look out for themselves because the business office is failing them? Do you think he's part of that gang? No, I think he's a... I think if they had political parties, he would be a candidate in the running to become some kind of leader of their town to pretty much take over Crane's spot. So he's really doing it for himself, not really for the people, although they say it's for the people. Yeah, I could see that, especially because he says to Snow, who elected you to lead? So it seems like, yeah, he's kind of mad she's in charge and he's not. He wants to be in charge. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Snow asks Bigby about something she's heard people say, which is that when things go wrong, he kind of enjoys it because it gives him an excuse basically to stop pretending, she says. And I think it's just what she's getting at is it gives him an excuse to sort of be the big bad wolf again. Why is she asking him this? You know, does she have doubts about him? I think she's just mad and taking out her anger on him. I mean, she doesn't seem that angry when she's asking him this. And I think it's kind of a weird question. I think she, I can't decide if she believes it or if she doesn't believe it. But I feel like she thinks she can't control him or even just keep him in line, not necessarily control him. I think she's scared, but she's probably also mad that he didn't do anything to stop this from becoming this bad of a situation. I think she's starting to side more with the people and their frustrations yeah i although i feel like she blames herself too i don't remember the exact like words i said in that conversation in Mm -hmm. the cab but i think she's frustrated at just the the structure in general maybe and especially with crane having been in charge Mm -hmm. which we then see like with the letters on the desk of all these people asking for help that have never been answered So I think that they haven't been able to do anything because Crane has been in charge and not allowing them to do anything. Maybe she thinks of it as that if only she didn't listen to Crane earlier on, maybe this would have been better. Mm -hmm. And then building off of that, there's another line when she's talking about run-ins that she's had with Crane in the past and says there's only so much you can repress, you know. And so is this her again? Like sort of nudging Bigby, are you having to repress aggression or, you know, 
is she concerned that he's having to repress things and it's not as much under control as she originally thought? I don't really get that kind of vibe, though. <laughs> so so funny because that's the only vibe I get. Oh. But just in this quote or with her in general? So far up to this point, I feel like she's not worried. And I only say this because in like a few scenes down the road when they're at... um. What's her name? The Auntie Greenleaf's place, where she's pretty much forcing him to, I guess in a way, forcing him to do what she's saying and everything. If she was kind of worried that he was going to lose it, she probably wouldn't have been so aggressive with like, do it and everything. So I feel like currently right now, she's not worried. I think it's only till after, like towards the end scene that she's starting to worry. Okay. Yeah, because I I agree with you that she wouldn't push him. But we'll talk about this, too, because I feel okay. like she just, um, she loses her emotions in this chapter. She does. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I feel like she's starting to question it, maybe. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't fully question it until the end of the game. And then, this is just kind of funny. Um, when they're searching Crane's desk, Bigby has to pry the drawer open. And I don't know if you noticed how he sort of, like, looks up at Snow and then smirks at her. And then she kind of smiles back. Is is he, like, wanting her to be impressed that he opened this drawer? I completely missed that part. So <laughs> I feel like part of it is because Bigby knows that in another situation, Snow probably wouldn't be okay with him opening someone's drawer without their permission and everything. But because yeah. of this current situation, I think it's more like, well, look how the tables have turned. Now you're letting me... Do the stuff, everything that you previously said you didn't want me to do. You're now okay with me doing it. Here's something that we started talking about, and it's my next note, which is just, are Snow's emotions starting to overtake her? When I first noticed this is when she sort of snaps at Buffkin and walks away. When she should have listened to him because Bigby goes back to talk to him, and he gives him that information of Crane's making a meeting with his witch. So yeah, do you think her emotions are starting to control her a little bit too much? Definitely, I agree so. And I don't know if it's because before it didn't have to do with her. She can just go like, I'm so sorry and everything and be sympathetic. But now it's affecting her directly, her own safety. And so I think that's why it has her a bit freaked out. Yeah, I think she's definitely scared. She's disgusted and she's angry. And they're all valid feelings. It's just, I think we start to see that sort of get in the way of her decision making. It's funny because she gets mad at Bigby for fighting Bluebeard in the last episode. But then she (laughs) shoves or punches multiple people in in this episode. And it's okay when she does it, but she gets mad at Bigby when he does it. And I just think that's kind of funny. I think in this episode, more than any other episode, episodes or scenes that we've seen so far she's a lot more aggressive and more of a hypocrite definitely so and i think it's i kind of think it's cool to show that because so often characters are either like bad or good Mm -hmm. but this shows how things can affect a character someone who is good and wants to help but they're still affected by things and make mistakes all right my last note on this scene is buffkin is so honest but about the wrong things. It takes him too long to tell Snow about the appointment with the witch. But then he says, 
and I'm hungover. Sorry. He is a bit like a child where they tell you the wrong stuff at the wrong time and the important stuff they don't tell you until it's nearly too late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> scene three? Mm-hmm. All right, scene three summary. With the clock ticking, Bigby heads to the trip trap to search Lily's belongings for clues that may lead to the identity of Crane's witch. What's your note? Oh, you're drinking. <laughs> you're going to have to mute this one. I'm going to be banging my lid in my water bottle and ice. Doesn't that sound refreshing, though? Mm-hmm. Although it cracks me up that you don't just go downstairs to refill your water cup. You have a- I mean, this is like 20 ounces of water, so it's like a good few glasses of water I can get. I mean, but do you even drink much water? Uh, I drink a lot of carbonated water more than anything. Okay. Or tea, which is basically water just with plants in it. <laughs> plants in it. It's leafy water. Okay. okay. Anyways, back to back to scene three. My first note is just that Woody is being really helpful and calm. Why is he suddenly so sensical around Bigby? Because he's not under suspicion. Isn't he still, though? Well, I mean, at least it's lower in priorities. <laughs> That's true. But maybe he's just sad. Because we will find out that he was one of Lily's customers, secretly, unbeknownst to Holly and Gren. And that's why Gren is so pissed. What do you think that means? Is that just, like, more bad luck for him that now he looks even more guilty because he's had run-ins with both of these murdered prostitutes? He probably doesn't look that suspicious in the eyes of Bigby, but he probably, Holly probably lost all respect for him. I think she's probably pretty pissed at him. Mm-hmm. So in that box under her desk, that Bigby's, like, not desk, but cot or whatever she's sleeping cot thing. Yeah. <laughs> the cot that was in the room that earlier Woody walked out of, that was apparently the bathroom. So is it a bathroom or is it a closet with a cot? It's both. What's going on in there? <laughs> He's just taking a dump in the corner. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so in that- Good old-fashioned corner dump. Yes. And that box that Big B is digging through that is under the cot, <laughs> the cot, there's a really fancy, expensive bottle of wine. I don't know if it's expensive, but it looks fancy. But this is a bar, a pub. They don't drink that fancy stuff there. So you're wondering, why is it there? And we also know that Crane likes his wine. Yeah. I think it's the same bottle. Yeah. I think we've seen this bottle three times when Buffkin had it and we know that Crane was looking for it. Um, and then we saw it at the crime scene, with the bloody bed, and now we're seeing it again. Okay, I did not track it. So was this his, like, sexy time wine that he was getting for Lily oh, gosh. for these meetups? Now that you say it, it makes sense <laughs> if it is. Ew, and he was making Snow buy it for him. Oh, God. That's gross. <laughs> Yuck. Okay, did you have any more notes? No, th- but that is disturbing. <laughs> it is so disturbing. Um, okay, I just have one more note. So I, at the ending, when Woody's leaving, I chose to stay silent as Bigby and not say anything. And I felt like that made this moment kind of funny, at least for me. Because the way it plays out is Gren says... You just don't want Bigby to think that you have to pay chicks to touch your fat, hairy ass. Woody turns around to look at Bigby, who says nothing. And so I'm thinking, is Bigby not saying anything because he's going, 
My ass is hairy. <laughs> what does that say about me? <laughs> That's actually a good point. I forgot that that he's a hairy dude. Oh, he's super hairy. He's a wolf. He's a wolf man. I know. I totally forgot about that. He's probably going to go home and shave his ass after this conversation. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a hairy butt. Agreed. Hair is natural, <laughs> y'all. Okay, scene four? Yep. Moving right along to scene four. After finding an address book with only initials and no full names, Bigby tries to connect the dots, first at Crane's apartment and then at the Tweedle's office. Why did Bluebeard burn everything at Crane's apartment? We see a clock, a photo that we can't tell what the photo is, and then something else that we don't get confirmation on what it is, but it looks like a book or maybe a ledger or something. I'm wondering... Do we know for sure that it's actually Bluebeard that burned it? Or was there someone else that came after Bluebeard was there and before Bigby got there? If we trust the hungover buffkin, then yes, it was Bluebeard because he said that he tried to stop him. Okay. So that makes me think that he was he was there when it happened. Okay. So kind of to, to build off of that first, if it's really Bluebeard who's burning and getting rid of evidence, do you think that... Bluebeard's the one who either dumped the body of Lily and framed Crane for doing it, or perhaps he made Crane dump the body. I don't know if we even know if Faith's body has been retrieved yet, so maybe he also threw that out. I'm just starting to, like, be, I'm like you, suspicious of what Bluebeard's up to, and I'm wondering, yeah. I don't think this is the first that he's gotten rid of evidence. I think he's done it before. Yeah, I agree. I think he is trying to get rid of evidence. So yeah, I think he's involved somehow. And then later on in this this scene, we'll talk about this more. But I think there is a conspiracy going on in Fable Town. But Bigby even says anything that we know could have been evidence here has been destroyed. So he thinks Bluebeard's destroying evidence. But then he goes on to say, what a waste of time. But I kind of disagree with this. First of all, it did not take that long. It was a pretty quick trip. But also, I mean, we learned that Bluebeard is super shady and definitely up to something and maybe covering something up. All right, now my notes are at the Tweedle's office. I don't know if you have any there. I was just um, going to comment on that. I didn't, <laughs> my stupid notes, I didn't write the note of the, the dude who <laughs> is like the janitor. Um, flycatcher. A flycatcher, yeah. I wonder how much trust is between him and um, the two brothers, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Because Flycatcher defends them, but would Tweedledee and Dum defend him? So I'm curious what that mm-hmm. relationship, if it's a one-way thing or two-way. Because during this entire time, he keeps defending them up until the very end. But still, yeah. you're wondering what kind of relationship they have that he would go to that length just to to protect them. Yeah, he seems kind of like he might be easy to manipulate. He's dumb. (laughs) I was trying to be a little more polite than that, but yes, he seems pretty dumb. (laughs) Takes after Tweedledum. Yeah. So yeah, I think definitely they could, you know, twist the story to their side and that's how he's seeing it now. But he seems like a nice guy. He's just trying to clean up the building, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And speaking of, Bigby throws a cigarette on the ground, and it looks like he starts cleaning it up. (laughs) It's 
That's so rude. Why did he throw the cigarette down right in front of a janitor? Nobody, you, you know not to do that. Come on, that's so rude. I feel like things like that is why people don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> is he just distracted and he did that? Or it's just he's smoked so many cigarettes that it's just muscle memory to throw it on the ground? I think he's a little upset as well. Mm-hmm. But it was mean. And he later apologizes for being so gruff with Flycatcher, but it was pretty rude. He's a dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bigby finds a file cabinet, and there are a few files on different fables in there. The first one he looks at is Cranes. And in this file, we learn that he owes the Crooked Man money, and that he is asking them to acquire property for him from faith and the note says more information under donkey skin and this raises a lot of questions for me before we keep going my first question is if they knew who faith was did they leave her head at the woodlands because whoever left it there wanted them to figure out who her identity was it seems okay so there's two parts to it is it that they had the head in their possession because they killed faith and then the second part is then the logistics of getting the head over to the front doorstep. So I don't think mm-hmm. that they're the one who murdered them. And I also feel like they also didn't see who did it. But maybe if they were the ones that delivered the head, Faith's head, they probably did it under orders of someone else. Because that's really what they do mm-hmm. is to carry out orders. They don't care about whether it's right or not, or who is giving them the order. They just do it for yeah. for money and for intel. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they really do anything on their own ideas. They just take orders. But speaking of that, we get more information in her file about this property acquisition request. And it says, find compromising photo, $500 bill. Did she take this stuff from Crane when she was filling in for Lily? Because we know that they she filled in for her once. Was a $500 payment, and did she steal the photo that we see Bigby find? Do you think that's the the photo we're talking about? I think it's a different photo. I don't know why I would think that. I think it's not just a an isolated incident of of Crane and, and his obsession with Snow. I think there's more to it. So continuing on, they have possible leads written, and then crossed off, we have her apartment, Lawrence Woodsman. We saw the Tweedles go to Lawrence's. We saw, well, Toad said that the Tweedles were in the Woodsman's looking for something. And then, not crossed off, we have Lily and then the hens at the Puddin' and Pie. So it seems like what they were looking for was this stolen photo. And we know that they're planning to go to Lily and the other strippers, but they didn't get that chance yet. And so here, here's my, <laughs> my theory. I think it is the photo, and I think that there's a conspiracy to frame Crane for these murders. My only question is, why is Faith dead? If she's the one who stole the photo, that makes me think that she would be in on the plan to frame Crane. So if she's part of the plan, why is she killed? The reason why, it, it makes sense. I think the reason why she's killed is she, I agree that so, someone's trying to frame Crane. But I also think that that photo that Faith had, that is the reason why she got killed. 
I don't think that photo is of Crane and Snow. I think it's probably the photo that could incriminate the one who's trying to frame Crane. I think Faith probably is trying to prove that Crane is innocent and that's why she's killed. If she's trying to prove that he's innocent, why is he trying to get the picture back from her? Probably to prove his own I, I think it's because Crane doesn't know what kind of photo she has. I think Faith knows who's the person behind all this. I think she knows too. I think I, <laughs> I think it's the same picture. I'm just going on a different theory though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it's if it's not the same picture, it's equally as disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why he wants it back. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I don't know if we know exactly what's going on, but I think we both think he's being framed. We're not sure by who. My current theory is that like it's multiple people, like Bluebeard, Georgie, and they're just trying to take down leadership because they've been failing them. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm leaning towards. Anything else for you in scene four? Mm-mm. Scene five summary. Snow meets up with Bigby outside Auntie Greenleaf's apartment 14 minutes after Crane's appointment. They are greeted by a little girl and come inside to look for Crane. Bigby can smell him, but they don't find him. However, they do find a glamour tube that, when opened, reveals the little girl was just a disguise for Auntie Greenleaf. Irritated by her deception, Bigby and Snow get her to reveal that Crane came for her ring of dispel. Snow is really aggressive in this part of it, and I know she wants to catch crane but snow wasn't the person that you would think that would want to burn down the tree and so Mm -hmm. um why the sudden dramatics exactly i have notes on that too like she's really intense Mm -hmm. and she's really angry and then at the end of the scene she says hey greenleaf (laughs) don't think this is over Mm -hmm. and yeah she's really forceful with bigby and orders him to burn the tree and then he just stands there (laughs) Doesn't say yes, doesn't say no. She's just done. She's scared. People are dying. People that look like her Mm -hmm. are dying. Crane is on the loose. Time is running out to catch this person. And they're losing the trust of the community. And so I think she's just running out of options. So there's a moment when Bigby asks her who she's protecting. And she responds, I can't tell you. And this is just more secrecy. And do you think it's the same spell or is that unlikely because she's a witch? Um, so is she just afraid of some of someone? Why so much secrecy still, do you think? My question is, did she say, I can't tell you? Or is it that my lips are sealed? She says, I can't tell you. I think it's a different kind of spell. But I do think it's nonetheless still a spell. But then they get her to reveal that Crane came to get her ring of dispel to use it on the girls at the pudding pie because it would allow them to get around the my lips are sealed spell and he said he was going to get the truth out of them to prove his innocence so this supports our theory of him being framed and the question is still by who he seems to think that the the pudding pie girls know are they framing him do they just know about the framing and that's why they have the spell on them so that they won't tell anybody the other question is, how did they get that spell placed on them, though? Is it a like a blanket spell where the moment someone knows about this, all of a sudden my lips are sealed? Or is it that someone saw them and then therefore put the spell on them? Well, it seems like it's the ribbon, right? The ribbon mm-hmm. 
has a spell attached to it. Why and how that got put on them, I don't think we know. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, we talked about how Bigby left his apartment door wide open. But he closes Auntie Greenleaf's apartment door. He's a gentleman. That throws cigarettes on the ground in front of Janet. Occasionally is a dick about things, but... (laughs) Are we ready for scene six? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Bigby and Snow arrive at the Puddin' and Pie, where they find a desperate and pathetic Crane forcibly trying to use the Ring of Dispel on Nerissa. Bigby arrests Crane, and along with Snow, they leave out the back only to be cut off by the Tweedles and Bloody Mary. Left with no other options, Bigby transforms the furthest away from his human form that we've seen. He's able to easily handle the Tweedles before getting shot with a silver bullet, and Snow hands over Crane to save Bigby. So the first thing is with the ring, how does Crane know the use of the ring? Like, how did... I mean, it's kind of a dumb question. I feel like maybe he would know just because <laughs> he's the... Is he the mayor? Something, something like yeah. that. Something like mayor. I don't know if we know the mm-hmm. official title. Um, but earlier in the chapter when they're searching his desk, they find a page torn out of a book. Oh. And it says ring on it, but we don't see anything else. So okay. I'm guessing he just he just read about it, and that's how he knows okay. how to use it. That makes sense. But, of course, the witch said it hasn't worked in decades. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't work. I was actually kind of... <laughs> Too bad for him. Right? I was actually kind of thinking, like, what if it worked? Oh, that makes me wonder, though, because Auntie Greenleaf says she can't say. Mm-hmm. So do you think the it actually hasn't worked in decades, or do you think she put a spell on it so it doesn't work to help whoever she's covering for? I think it only works with certain people, and we don't know who those people are. But I do think that it hasn't worked because the right person hasn't used it yet. One observation is that Snow's kind of acting different now that she's in Crane's presence versus when she was with um, Inti Greenleaf. Like, when she was with Inti Greenleaf, she was, like, pretty darn aggressive. And with Crane, Mm -hmm. she's just a lot more mellow. And do you think it's because she's still afraid of Crane, or is it just the situation is different? I read it as when she was around Greenleaf, she was desperate to find Crane. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now that they're caught up, she doesn't have that goal anymore. So now she's just seeing him and having to deal with those weird, disturbing Mm -hmm. emotions surrounding that whole situation. That's how I read it. But it is interesting because even right before this, she shoves Georgia out of the way. (laughs) So she's still being pretty aggressive. Another note on when she shoves Georgia Mm -hmm. out of the way. He's on the phone with someone. And when they go into the back room, he says, we might have a problem. Is he the little bird? Yeah, who is the little bird? Maybe it's her. Uh, And who's on the other end of that phone? It seems like there are a lot of people involved in this. Mm -hmm. So they get back there with Crane, and Snow asks him how many years, I'm assuming referring to the meetings with the snow-glamored hookers, And he responds, too many, but then he tries to justify it by shouting at her that he loves her and mentions that Prince Charming had cheated on her and ran off to Europe. And Snow responds, I know what this is. I've seen it before. It's not love. So again, we're getting some more insight into her past. We know now that she was cheated on. But it seems, again, like there's more there. There's something darker there when she says, I've seen this before. It's not love. Well, you do know that Snow White is a pretty dark story. Like, you wait for some strange man who kisses you, (laughs) 
and and that makes everything okay. It's pretty gross if you think about both Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. It's like totally not okay. So I I totally get why Snow White feel like why she has a dark past. It definitely seems like there's something more to her, and it sort of starts to explain why she acts the way she does throughout this whole game. Crane pleads with Bigby, saying that he's not the killer, and Snow has her doubts as well, saying that she is not sure he's capable of killing someone. The blonde pudding and pie girl, I don't think we've learned her name yet. She weirds me out in this scene. I feel like she's trying to get Bigby to agree that Crane is the killer. She says, I'm sorry, but if he didn't kill her, who the hell did? And then also she says, when I saw you, I thought this was over. I might just be too stuck on my whole theory about, like, the strippers might be framing Crane. But it seems weird to me because she's just trying to get someone arrested so that they stop investigating other people. I was kind of curious, what would the consequences be? What would happen if Crane died? Would they be, like, okay with just saying that, okay, he's the murderer, we caught him, and and then secretly do (sighs) some more digging? Or do you think that they would just be like, you know, he's dead, let's not pursue it anymore? And I'm curious more so of Snow's perspective because she's just so her mood and her character swings back and forth between aggressive and feeling bad Mm -hmm. and so i'm curious how would she react okay so my first point is that if he were to die there nerissa was watching from the door so she would have Mm -hmm. seen what had happened and i'm sure word might have got although she seems pretty loyal to bigby Mm mm-hmm but word might have gotten out about what, what went down if he died. But as far as Snow, I think she would just be really confused. Mm-hmm. And as nasty as he was, and as much as he might have even deserved it, I think she would eventually still feel kind of guilty because someone that looked like her died, and now Crane, who is associated with that, now he's dead. Mm-hmm. So now there's like three people dead and do all of them have to do with her? You know, I feel like she'd feel really guilty. Mm -hmm. But as far as the story progression, it seems like this group of people, you know, Bloody Mary and the Tweedles, they need him. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what would happen. (laughs) Yeah. On, you know, on their end if he was gone. Yeah. And then my other thing is that are they desperate to get Crane because he holds something that can help unlock spells? That's the kind of feeling... I'm getting is that Crane has some value. Others, they would have just shot and killed him. Yeah, there's a few directions I feel like this could go. The first one is he's trying to clear his name. And if they're the ones who framed him, obviously they don't want him to do that. Sure, they could just kill him. But then it's pretty clear that they're responsible. You know, if they silence someone who's trying to get to the truth. And then another possibility is that them being able to extort him as the leader of Fable Town, I'm sure that there's plenty of power that comes with that. But the issue with that is at the end of the scene, we see Bloody Mary say, oh, this is going to be a beautiful relationship, basically between, you know, like the Crooked Man and Snow and Bigby. It's all pretty plausible at this point. We, don't, we just don't have enough information. Yeah, we don't have enough information. But we do learn that the Crooked Man owns Crane, Bloody Mary says that they're attempting to claim what is the personal property of the Crooked Man. But then, yeah, my my other note is that Snow gut punches Crane and says, shut up. <laughs> so angry Snow is back. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love this because finally, I know I could have chosen to slap Crane. 
but I thought Snow might get mad at me if I did that. <laughs> and so I'm so glad that someone finally hit Crane because, man, mm-hmm. it was long overdue. Yes. After Bigby gets shot by the silver bullet, it looks like Bloody Mary is going to like chop his head off with the woodsman's axe. And this is when Snow says, just take Crane to save Bigby. Crane has got to be so jealous now. Mm-hmm. Snow <laughs> just handed him over to save Bigby. Mm-hmm. We already talked about how jealous he probably was last episode, mm-hmm. but this is just like shot to the heart, man. <laughs> well, I mean, he already lost his chance the moment where Snow found out that he was doing some pretty gross stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he deserves mm-hmm. he deserves to get handed over. He deserves to get shot. <laughs> he does. But by the way, it seems like the crooked man is in that car. Mm-hmm. We see his hand, um, and it seems like he gives the okay to spare Bigby. We don't really know why that's happening. Seems interesting. But he also has like a magical hand that can go through objects. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the window morph with his hand. Oh, I did not catch that. I don't think that was supposed to happen. I didn't. I didn't notice that. Big oops from Telltale, but that's okay. Bloody Mary. This is interesting to me because we are pretty sure someone is framing Crane, but she says to Snow, Crane is no killer. So does she know he's not the killer? And if that's true, does she know who is the killer? And if they're involved with the framing, why would she say something like this? I actually don't think that she's the person doing some framing. I think they're another group of individuals involved with this whole situation. I think they're closely related to the person who is framing people, Mm -hmm. but they also don't want to get on their bad side. But she also doesn't want them to be blaming someone innocent. It seems like they at least are in the know about something. But then as they leave, this is when we see Nerissa watching from a distance. Similar to Bluebird, but in a less threatening way. It seems like she's trying to insert herself into the situation as well. We've seen her find a way to communicate with Bigby, and now she's watching the situation. I think she's going to turn out to be a more important character later on, just not quite yet. Well, at the end of the last episode, you guessed that Bigby would smoke eight cigarettes. And he did smoke a shocking amount of cigarettes. How many? One. Oh my gosh. I can't believe. Did he say just in one episode or in total? In one episode. In one episode? I guessed for total. Okay. I was shocked. I watched it twice because I was like, there's no way he only smokes one cigarette. He was too busy, though. Yeah. I think if he was not with Snow, he probably would have uh, smoked a lot more. Jeez, so uh, odd. Do you have a guess for next episode, though? How many I cigarettes? I feel like it's going to depend if he's by himself or not, but let's do... Oh, gosh. If we say one, he's going to go like eight. Um... <laughs> Let's go with three. Okay. Oh, God. Three. It's written down. So we'll see next episode how many he smokes. He's got a lot in his fridge, so there's potential for a lot of cigarette smoking. he's barely been back in his apartment and had the time to cook. (laughs) You know, Colin's smoking all the cigarettes (laughs) and ordering all the pork fried rice. All right. So we will upload gameplay for chapter four, and we'll talk about it. Next week, you want to count us down? Okay. Closing voice recorder in three, two, one.